Uh, we're going to, uh, if you'll open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's a real familiar passage. Uh, we're not going to have it on the screens. So I want you to see it in your Bible or on your phone or your tablet, whatever you have. And we try to make it easy for you. So if you have the YouVersion Bible app, uh, you can search under the live event section and you'll see Restore Church. And if you, um, if you have the Restore Church app, you click on Bulletin and it'll, it'll be right there. All the points will be on the screen, just not our... Um, just not that scripture. Um, we've been going through our core values here at Restore Church. Uh, our core values are to say this is what makes us who we are. There are a lot of really good churches here in Jacksonville. And hopefully, uh, you, you know, some of you may know them, have friends that go there. That's great, man. We're all on the same team here. Um, but he, the core, our core values are what makes us, Restore Church, who we are to fulfill our significant and very detailed portion into the kingdom of God. And so our core values are right here on the screen. Uh, restoration over perfection. If you're perfect, you don't belong here. Authenticity over hype. Uh, we keep it 100. Uh, community over isolation. Uh, it's hard enough to live life by yourself, let alone being a Christian. Uh, following Jesus in our culture. Uh, excitement over entertainment. We'll talk about worship next week. And we just uh, we know that when you're, when you're excited about something, you will participate as, uh, as opposed to just trying to be entertained. And then multiplication over addition. Uh, we believe that the kingdom of God is bigger than restore. We're not the only church in the kingdom of God. And we are fans of, uh, we, we talk more about the kingdom of God than we do about our own church. At least we try to. This morning, uh, so the last couple of weeks, we talked about restoration over perfection, authenticity over hype, and I just recapped those a little bit. This morning, we're going to talk about community. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite topics, so I'm really going to try to stay disciplined because uh, I could be all over the board. Really, wherever humankind in the, is in all of the world, we end up clustering into communities. Um, we'll talk about this more in a minute and more at length, but sociologists would say that this happens wherever there are overlaps of intent, experience, and identity. Intent, experience, and identity. We end up grouping together like this morning here at church. You might not identify as a Christian, and so you're here this morning because you identify with a family. And your intent this morning was to be here to support them or to bless them. And you have a shared experience of sharing life with them. And so that's how you're here. See, we as Christ followers and Christians, uh, so if you're new to Restore or, or this is your first time, we have taken the word Christian, uh, the, our culture has taken the word Christian and just really it doesn't mean anything. Uh, so we say here that we're Christ followers. We pursue Jesus with everything we have. And so we believe and we worship a God that himself has demonstrated community. Actually, uh, we say that he demonstrates uh, communion together. We believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, which is really confusing. And I'm not going to attempt to explain it to you. Remember, discipline. I know it all. You know, I know every detail about it. We just don't have time. If you believe that, man, I, I'm going to go into selling insurance. I don't know any detail about, uh, I, I know as much detail. <laughs> Fight or flight? <laughs> Sneak up on me, Satan, not today. All right. <laughs> we believe in the, it, it served its purposes for the pictures of your beautiful children. All right. 
Just, <laughs> Gary, this is going to be interesting. Challenge, Gary, don't move it. <laughs> Play the last song without the... Oh, man, that's good. That's good stuff. Uh, well, we keep it 100. <laughs> um, we believe that God in himself celebrates community, uh, that he's communal in himself. And so we believe that God, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all together in Genesis chapter 1, they are present. And they all create together. I need to just move on about this Trinity thing. All right. We got a security team in here? We good? Am I covered? All right. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't, how do you come back from this? All right. Discipline. What's interesting is as the Bible plays itself out, you see representations of all three. Mainly the Old Testament is, is the display of God in pursuit to get his people back. You see his long-suffering, which is what we call the word patience. Then the New Testament begins, and then you see God in the flesh. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Jesus dies, resurrects, goes into heaven, and then he sends the Holy Spirit. And that's really the story of Acts chapter 2, and every day since then is the story of the Holy Spirit proclaiming the name of Jesus. And if you read carefully, you'll see Jesus say something like, Father, I'm here to glorify you. And then you'll hear him say later on in John chapter 17 that um, my prayer, Father, is that the disciples and those who hear their word, which is us, will be unified as you and I are one. Later, again in John, he says, uh, the Holy Spirit will come and will speak what I tell him to. I mean, you see this all throughout, that God glorifies, or Jesus glorifies God, God glorifies Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit is, is here now to do the work. Uh, C.S. Lewis, Lewis calls it the dance. This idea that they all are working in unison together. See, at the end of Genesis chapter 1, you hear, or you see this verse that says, um, let us... Let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, create them, mankind, in our image. So it's no wonder that being a human in our, in our very being, being created in the likeness of God, that we have a desire for community, to be together. We have a craving for relationships. Even the most severe, introverted person still needs somebody. You have God in, in the beginning of the Bible saying we're going to create man to look like us, to be like us, to act like us. And God's intent was that we would commune with him. This is not a weird stretch. I'm just trying to fix my microphone. But I have been working out. Thanks for noticing. But then it lasts a whole 22 verses in Genesis chapter 2. And then Satan comes into the picture. Here's what's interesting is... Um, uh, and 22 verses later, Satan enters, fractures the relationship. He comes into the garden and he says, Adam, what happened? See, what happens is he creates them and it says that Adam knew his wife. Now, the middle, middle school, in middle school you would read that and be like, oh, he's talking about sex. <laughs> but what he's really meaning is vulnerability. He knows his wife beyond measure. There's nothing to hide. 
And for 22 verses, it's perfect. Imagine that, being able to be completely open in a relationship and not hiding anything. Satan ruins it all. And then um, when he comes and confronts Adam, and Adam, he says, Adam, what happened? Remember what Adam says? It's her fault. <laughs> it's the woman you gave to me. It's, it's her fault. And the rest of Scripture is a story of redemption, of trying to overcome this failure that happened in Genesis chapter uh, 3. So let's define community together. If we're going to talk about, if we're going to talk about community, we need to define terms so we're all on the same boat. We've got it on the screen for you. This is our working definition of community. Community is an emergent quality. That is to say that community per se by itself does not exist. It's a perceived connection between a group of people based on overlaps of intent, identity, interest, and experience. Best way to think about this is high school. Some of y'all like left high school like six months ago, all right? Uh, yeah, it's the good old days, glory days. All right, cool. The rest of us might look at high school a little bit different. And so if, if high school makes you cringe a little bit, uh, you're not the only one. But, dude, I would do high school all over again. Uh, I would make some better choices, but I would do it again. I would do it again. Um, meaning, kids, I would, do, I would work hard on my grades. Uh, I don't know. Yes, there you go. Parents, I'm trying to help you out, but... I can't, we can't raise your kids. We're here to supplement and help you love your kids. How about that? There you go. Um, think about high school and all of its different groups of people. Right? You put them all together. There's a shared experience already. But then you have the jocks. They end up getting together, you know, like grouping over here and grunting and all of those things or whatever. And, and lying. <laughs> jocks lie a lot they just want to make themselves look better then you've got uh what are some other groups uh, the band the the band usually tends to be together it's been a long time since i've been in high school but uh the band and then um <laughs> the nerds okay the nerds um the ffa they get together um the future farmers of america that's a thing I know that. Uh, they get together. And then what's the most interesting, y'all, is the gothic kids get together. Now, here's what's interesting. We, we made fun of hipsters a couple weeks ago. All right, so hipsters and, and the gothic kids, at least in my high school, well, there weren't hipsters then. Um, but they're the same. They're like anti-establishment. We're not going to stand for the mainstream. And so we're going to stand against... Uh, and they end up becoming a community of themselves. See, wherever human beings gather, there's a sense and there is a need for community. And I would say the same is true for us here. If you've got your Bibles and you're at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, we're going to flip through this uh, pretty quick. This might be a familiar passage for you. It might not. Uh, let's read it together, and then I'll give you my outline for how this is going to go just so we can work quickly. Look at verse 17. Uh, chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, uh, if anyone is in Christ, if you have decided to be a Christian, a Christ follower, uh, just got to say this, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, uh, this is a perfect church for you. 
Uh, I hope you feel like you belong here. This is a safe place for you to ask questions and try to discover God. Look, we're not perfect here. We don't, want, we don't want to be or try to pretend to be. We know that you're not. So don't check your baggage in the parking lot. Bring it in with you. Cool, we're all on the same page. All right. So therefore, once you become a Christian, Christ follower, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. All or The old has gone. The new is here. Amen. Man, I'm so thankful for that verse. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. I want to talk about, uh, he, here is our outline. And I'm putting it up first so that we can work through this quickly together. Here's how we're going to talk about this. We have the same Savior, talking about community. We have the same story, sort of. We have the same assignment, and we have each other. So remember this outline as we go through. And the first thing we're going to talk about is that we have the same Savior. You and I worship and serve the same King. The same God who just said here in, in Scripture has reconciled us through Jesus, keeping no records of our sins. Man, I keep a record of my own in here. Not in a notebook because I don't even want to read them. Uh, I keep my own record. But God's like, not me. How freeing is that for you? Even some of you who have become Christians, said, I'm a Christ follower, I'm all in. How freeing is that verse for you to hear that God is not keeping a record of your wrongs or of your sins? Um, even First Peter would say it like this. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. There has been in you and me a fundamental shift in identity. I didn't cuss, I said shift. You might have thought with that moving that I might have said a bad word, but I didn't. And if I did, God would have forgiven me and kept no record of the wrong. It just says it there. Um, there's been a shift in, in our identity from being not a member of God's family into being an adopted child. Let me illustrate. I am white. I know, shocker. But I'm not only white. I'm a husband. But I'm not only a husband. I'm a father, but I'm not only a father. I'm a pastor, but I'm not primarily a pastor. Here is, what has, here is who I am. I have been bought by the blood of Jesus. I've been adopted into the family of God, and I've been placed among what the Bible calls the communion of believers, which is the church. And because I'm broken, and because I need a Savior, I belong here. And because you're broken, and because you're messed up, and because you hope that no one finds out about last night, you belong here. It's, it's hard for us to think, especially in our culture, that this idea that Christ has bought us transcends our similarities. But here's what's even crazier. This idea transcends our differences. Let me tell you something. Government is not going to solve the race issue in America. Facebook posts 
will not solve anything, but they definitely won't solve the race issue in the United States. And it'd be hard for you to tell me there isn't one. You know what can? Is when we all look at each other and say, and I identify with God. Um, because that's what connects us all. And my family is this family. My family is you. Uh, I didn't know any of you two years ago, except maybe a couple of you. But, um, man, you, this, this, really has become a, uh, this really has become our family. Hey, I'm going to take a minute just right here. This isn't in my notes, but I, I want to say this. Um, if you're not in a life group here, at the end of this, I'm going to urge you to get into a life group. Um, here's where you need to work with us a little bit. Because we believe in community so much, the majority of our life groups are full. And so we're going to ask some of you who have been in a life group since the beginning to start praying about leading one. Because we need life group leaders. But we also need, uh, so we need to create space for some, some of you to get in a life group. Uh, and I'm going to urge you to do that. So if you sign up for a life group, we don't email you today and say, hey, there's a life group available. Just give us a week, give us two weeks. We'll find one for you. So we all have the same Savior. We're all in desperate need of one. Um, and we all have the same story. Here's the second part of this. We have the same Savior. We have the same story, sort of. Sort of. Now, let's imagine. I, I got this. Uh, actually, I heard uh, Matt Chandler preach a great sermon, and some of this is taken from him. Uh, if you know him, you can tell him. I don't care. Um, if you do know him also, will you introduce me to him? I'd like to meet him. But he talks about like this, we all have the same story, sort of. And what he means by that is, let's, let's, uh, let's identify two poles, a pole over here and a pole over here. Okay, this pole is, um, this pole is like, uh, man, some of you have been blessed to be born in a house where uh, immediately you knew Jesus. Like, you were memorizing scripture at two. You were one of these kids that the camera gets in the face, and they weren't coached at all. They just got in the front of the camera and said, I love Jesus. I'm like, man, that's amazing. Y'all are awesome parents. Okay, they were coached a little bit. But anyway, uh, you know, you were, you were them. Um, and you, you were like, you know, you were president of the youth group or in the Bible school or you were teaching Sunday school before you were changed, you know, before you could tie your shoes. You, you were right there, and man, I, I, that's a blessing. But then there's some of you that identify with this pole over here. You have really only seen glimpses of light. You were born into a dark situation, and it's just gotten even darker. Some of you right now in your life don't know which way to turn to find light. It's just all dark. And so you're looking at me, and you're like, dude, no one in this place knows my story. You might be right. I think you're wrong, but you might be right. See, there are these two poles, and so how can we say that you know my story? Hey, I want to tell you the most dangerous pole is this one. This one. Psalm 51 uh, verse 5 says, Behold, I was brought forth, I was born into sin, iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Look, we've got to stop saying I was born a Christian. That doesn't happen. At some point, you have to make a choice to follow Jesus. Now, at some point in life, you have to, follow, you have to make that decision um, for yourself. Your parents' faith does not matter for you. It can be a great launching point. 
It can be a great stepping stone. But their faith is not yours. Hey, parents, your faith cannot be your children's faith. Let them develop. Let them ask questions. Let them challenge you. And let them make you better. Go back and find the answer instead of saying, I don't know, let's ask Kendra when we get to church. Um, on top of that, the Bible has some really graphic things to say when it comes to man-made righteousness. Look at this verse. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Um, I'm surveying for children. You're saying don't do it? All right, won't do it. Look it up. Google it. It'll help you. All right, but I, I want you to look at me. <laughs> look at, when you find that verse, you'll be like, oh my goodness. Your righteousness amounts to filthy rags. Now, look, on your best day as a Christ follower, you are a junior varsity, you are a third string tight end on the junior varsity football team that doesn't use tight ends. And that's how, if you're trying to keep up with your good works to follow Jesus, that's, that's how it's going to go. Meanwhile, on the other side, this pole, man, we are so desperate for Jesus. And that's why I say we all fit in this somewhere. We all have the same story, sort of, and that we all need Jesus. We have the same Savior. We have the same story, but we also have the same assignment. I love this. We have built ourselves on this since the very beginning, which was not that long ago. We've been a church for two years and two weeks. All right, so I think you should, um, I think we should uh, measure churches in one of two ways as far as their age, either dog years, I'm down with that, or how bald the pastor has become. <laughs> in that case, we are old. <laughs> I looked at a picture the other week. It was of our... Uh, of our, we, we dedicate our children the first, uh, first year we did this at Restore. The only thing I looked at was like, dang, look at all that hair. Man, y'all drive me crazy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding a little bit. Verse 18. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Here's a little task for you when you get home. Just scroll through your social media on your page of what you shared. And if you're a Christ follower, ask yourself, is it, does it show a ministry of reconciliation or does it show a life causing division? Um, that is what God says in verse 18. That is, in Christ, God was, recon in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us, trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through this. I love this because what's happening here is that we have the same Savior, we have the same story, sort of, and God puts together this team in a given place, in a given time, for a certain ministry of reconciliation. And so look around. Here's your team. For better or worse, this is your team. <laughs> and God put this team together. 
I didn't put this team together, our our staff didn't put this team together, but God did. And here's what he's done. He's put this team together, and then he's given us all different positions to play. My position is to, to be the pastor and to lead you and help disciple you and help you become a better follower of Jesus. Your position might be uh, government. Your position might be teacher. Your position might be stay-at-home mom or, or coach. It might be law or, or business, education, sales, whatever. But what happens is you've been given that position. Are you playing? Yeah. You've been given that responsibility. In high school, we had uh, T-shirts for our team, and on the back it just said, just do your job. And a beautiful thing about football, there's a thousand beautiful things about football. Man, make my heart flutter. But if 11 guys, and now ladies, playing high school football, right? Rock on. Okay, cool. Uh, If all 11 members do their job, the team functions beautifully. And the same is true for the church. If we all do our job in our domain, um, The church functioned beautifully. Now listen, I want you to really consider this for a moment. God has put you in your position right now where you are to minister to the people that are around you. In your neighborhood. In your work setting. Yes, them also. (laughs) Uh, Wherever you are in your season of life. And so we've been talking about this for a long time. Your job, your neighborhood, the place you live, we see, we see that as your, your, um, your calling, your place. Hey, God's plan for bringing the whole world to come to know him is not pastors. And so I'm just going to say it's not my job to bring all of Jacksonville to love Jesus. But what is my job is to love the people uh, to love the families on my t-ball team. My job is to, is to love the people that I interact with at the coffee shop. And my job is to love you. And I'm, play, I'm trying my best to play my role. Sometimes I don't. I don't play it well. I'm asking and begging you for the sake of those who live in Jacksonville to play your, play your job, play your role. Um, okay. So we also have... Uh, each other. We also have one another. The last thing is that we have uh, the same Savior, we have the same story, we have the same assignment, and this one isn't on the screen because I didn't make this slide, and I'm sorry, um, it's my fault. But we have each other. We have one another, and this is what's beautiful about the church. There's no other place in our culture or in our world that you would get so many people from so many backgrounds from so many different areas uh, with so many different not shared experiences to be in one place at one time and then God says all right you got each other I think that's a beautiful depiction of what the church is um, and what God intended to be there are 54 in the New Testament there are 54 one another's So if you're reading through the scriptures, you'll hear it say, love one another, be gracious to one another, show kindness to one another, forgive one another. And my favorite is this one, outdo one another in honor. I like that because it like brings out the competitive nature. 
You can't outdo me with honor. I'm going to outdo you with honor. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Make it a game. Let's do it. It'll be fun. God will be proud of us. Unless you're a sore loser, because I will win. Um, and what happens here at Restore is we start to outdo one another, outdoing one another, and we continue to do it in honor, loving one another, serving one another. And we become these things for one another and with one another. At Restore, we don't demand it of people, but we become it for people. Following? We love God, and we would love to see God become famous again in our community the only way that's going to happen is if we are for Jacksonville, if we are for people, if we are for each other. And when we think about Restore, just like as, a, as one small part of the universal church, as the kingdom of God, we see that it's God who's brought us all together at this time, in this season, in this space, in this school, for, for his glory. And y'all, for better or worse, this is what we got. You know, this is who we are. And according to the Bible, I need you. And you need me. I know. That's <laughs> tough. You're like, for what? I don't know. We can figure that out later. But I need you, and, and you need me. So with that, uh, every now and then I'll meet someone who, uh, or, or I'll talk to you and, um, You'll say, uh, I'll hear someone say, yeah, I go to Restore. You ever hear someone say that? Like, I, yeah, or maybe someone invited you and you say, yeah, what church do you go to? Yeah, I, I go to Restore. Um, or maybe you meet someone else and you say, hey, what church do you go to? And they say, we go to this church or, or that church. Um, and, and what that really means is when we go, that's where we go. When we go to church, that's where we go. Let me say this. Coming to church and listening to sermons is nowhere in the Bible God's prescription for his people. Doesn't that sound like countercultural or like counterproductive for the pastor to say? Nowhere in the Bible does God say, come to church and listen to sermons. But you should. You should do it, though. Um, going to church is not anywhere in scripture, but you want to know what is? Belonging to church. Belonging to a group of people is in scripture. Lending yourself out to be held accountable. And I know that that's awful to think about because some of you, like it took everything you could to just come today. It took everything you could to, to get out of your car and walk across the parking lot. And even walk, once you walked across the threshold and you saw that long hallway, you're like, no, I don't think so. There's too many people here. Uh, you know, we all have social anxiety, so we're like, I can't do it. And, and then some weirdo comes up and it's like, welcome to Restore Church. We are so glad you're here. And you're like, how are you that happy? And then someone puts a cup of coffee in your hand and you're like, man, I still don't know about this. And so it's kind of scary to hear the pastor say that we need each other, that, that I need you and, and, and you need me. And what it comes down to is we're in this, we're in this achievement, achievement-based culture where what our culture tells us is women, you have to be perfect and men, you have to have respect. And it's lying I mean, we like those things, but man, if men, if we start to get vulnerable with other men, 
we might see our respect, you know, in our minds start to drop. Ladies, if we start to share our blemishes, our perfection starts to drop. And man, I, I think it breaks God's heart when we live in isolation at, instead of community. Um, now I'm going to try to kind of fast forward here to, to, uh, to really the end of what we're trying to get to. Um, Kurt, Thomas, or Turk, Kurt Thompson, uh, he, he, he writes books, therefore he's an author. So yeah, I'm so smart. Um, and his definition of knowing is this. Listen, this would be really great for, for you and for me. Knowing, he, he talks about the difference between knowing and being known. All right, be careful here. This could, this could mean something for your life. Be careful. He says this, knowing, it brings power and influence. It is an activity that involves a primary subject, thinking, feeling, or acting while, separate, while separated from the idea, object, or person to which her thoughts, feelings, or actions are directed. I'll explain that in a second. This type of knowing is not so bad for facts, but it's not so good for people. Ultimately, then, knowledge alone does not satisfy. What does satisfy is being known. Let me simplify it for a second. You could, we could go out tomorrow and sit down for lunch and, uh, or coffee or whatever, and you could tell me everything about uh, Roy Williams or LeBron James, uh, who both, in, coincidentally, are sitting out the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> We can, we can sit down. You can tell me everything about LeBron James. You can tell me about his career. You can tell me about what kind of big flake he is, and I would say, you're right. You can tell me about how he's so full of himself, and I'd be like, yeah, you're right. And then you can tell me about his, his injuries, his workout routine. You can tell me all of those things, and you know about LeBron James. You might even call him LeBron, but you don't know him, right? There's a difference. Um, but, but the, the, the structure, the, the thing that we're looking for, the, the thing that's built inside of us is to be known, not just for people to know about us or to know facts. And every now and then in life group, you might throw out, see, see what facts does is it prevents us from being known. We just throw out facts. So you might be at life group and everything's starting to get a little bit intimate or, uh, no, men, we don't like the word intimate. It starts to get real. And so you'll throw out, here's what, here's what we tend to do. We'll throw